Season 2, Episode 1, opens with a request and proclamation, and that is, do not, if I'm ever mortally wounded, separate me from the loved ones that want to be near me as I'm dying, just so that you're state-sanctioned technicians can try to save my life. And what I mean by that is I don't want to be surrounded by three to nine nurses and doctors um, only. I would like to have whoever showed up, a loved one perhaps is out, Perhaps a loved one brought me in, mortally wounded, and then you wait in the lobby, waiting out here in the waiting room. No, I understand. It's been done that way for years. There is a certain amount of order that comes along with keeping loved ones out of the room. But if a loved one can be rational and chill and hold the hand or stand next to, make eye contact with that person, forget touching them, make eye contact with the person, me, the mortally wounded fella. So instead of looking at 12 eyeballs that are unfamiliar, who are just working their asses off on my physical unit, thank you, but my spiritual unit, which thankfully, if not because of this imaginary wound, my eyes still work and I can see. My ears still work and I can hear. And my throat voice still works tongues, tip, and lips, I can speak. Maybe I'd like to speak, see, or hear a, lo- a lifelong friend or a friend who's connected to my lifelong journey, not just hustling, bustling, saving my life at all cost, body technicians hovering over me. That's just the thought I had to open up. This is season two. Season 2, Episode 1, I had to remind myself that this ain't gonna be heard until I am long gone, Johnny, so I can say whatever I want. And here we go, Season 2, with the opening song, Matt Monroe. You know, Matt Monroe, a known and little-known musician, singer, uh, but a wonderful, in the uh, milieu of uh, Sinatra, lounge and uh, casino singing. Behind me now is more music that might get this particular episode shot down for rights issues. I don't know what the song is, but I'm in Ruby on Avenue B, R-U-E space B on Avenue B. Late night when it's the first night that the uh, 10 o'clock curfew has now been changed to a midnight curfew. And I stumbled upon this place after some pool with a friend of mine. Chef Pintabona. We played a little uh, pool in Mona. Now I understand why Pintabona likes to go to Mona. Because he's got some kind of rhyme that allows his mind to keep time with the sound and shine of late night jazz bound to be music that stitches underneath your intentions 
and the things you mentioned, they often get construed in a much more, well, a much more direct, connect a message and throw some jazz in the mix. Oh, and some folks are leaving. Episode one, season two. That's how we go. And that's how we'll finish. Season two, episode two. Backlit Mary. Murray, a mile away. A smile. Hey. Aw, neat. A blonde in Italy with white shoes on her feet. Could be Angie. No, she's Vino Francais. Just say, I'm miles away, but we can be friends. Not today, swipe left. Not today, what the heck? Swipe and I'm an Iman. Iman the Iman to the layman. Iman layman speak. No, I'm on to the layman. July, August, September, soul with a sparkle hook, a travel troll. What do you look for in a casual smile? A kitty cat, crocodile, and when I say kitty, kitty crat, crit, when I kitty kitty city, when I kitty cat cat crap, when I say kitty kitty kitty, when I kitty rit crack, when I say kitty cat, I mean the kitty cat that found a warm spot in the belly of the alligator who swallowed him down. That's what you get when your smile pushes through the night and your smile becomes the light, becomes the little tippy tippy clean arch that rests just between the heel and the toe eyes that know row 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 your boat row and g Sencillo y nada de vida, me gusta conocer personas. Manhanga, miles away. What the hey? With the swipe to the right, across the globe. Something 
something what something loads or a type of lobe if lobe was a fruit i'd gobble your listening if lobe was a fruit i'd brevel till glistening if lobe was a fruit i'd saute and express a squeeze of lemon into the vegetable mess saute end of episode 2 season 2 Season 2, Episode 3, and I'm on an airplane from Houston, Texas to New Orleans. In New Orleans, I'll do some directing and coaching of theater. Yeehaw! And what I'm looking at in this airplane, the shitbox of an airplane on Spirit Airlines, where they don't have movies, they don't have... Uh, a legitimate flip-down thing in front of you to put your computer on, which you wouldn't probably do anyway because they don't have electricity in in the seats. So I'm bourgeois, bourgeois, bougie, and want these things that I'm accustomed to. I am staring at the back of back of the heads of two people, and on the right is a white dude with salt and pepper hair, corporate haircut, straight, clean, orderly, and directly in front of me is a, a back ahead of a, of a black woman with really thick, uh, real tight, thick French braids, and it just makes me think about how black people are always being judged by their hair, and Actually, in the corporate world, sitting next to this guy, they are limited. And it's just extrapolating it to creativity. Like, we, we uh, white guys have been trained to be orderly, well-groomed, uh, hair grows straight and in place. And we stay that way, straight and in place. Whereas, I'm looking at the braids and I'm thinking the color, the contour and the creativity and the texture and I don't mean the kinky texture that's cliche I mean the texture of a tight braid and the difference between the two and how the two worlds collide and how in this world that we live in one is right and one is wrong one is acceptable and one is not that uh rubs me the wrong way and that makes me want to revolt as a white guy and I think that's evident in a lot of the ways I live my life Uh, I am consciously nauseous about this disparity but it feels good talking about it looking out a window as we emerge upwards from the clouds into a blue sky 
the sun is uh, setting. So that's them once again asking us to buy some shit from them. Uh, they did it on the last flight, my connecting flight out of New York to Houston, trying to sell the Spirit credit card, getting 500 free points toward their shitty airline, and uh, then they went up and down the aisles with their food and snacks and water, all for sale, no cash. So, um, chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Forty-one-minute flight to New Orleans. Try to get as many bottles of water sold as you can, and see if you can get a Spirit Airline credit card sold. That's the world we live in. Straight salt and pepper gray, sitting next to thick dark braids. Yeah, at least they get to sit next to each other. At least. They get to sit next to one another. Season two, episode three, out. I got everything I need, almost. I got everything I need, almost. I got everything I need. Almost, I got everything I need, almost, but I don't got you, and you're the thing I need the most. Episode number four, season two, bow, 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 bow. Season 2, Episode 5 In the past, I've had debates about the official language of the United States being English and why people don't learn it. And I was watching Eric Morales against Marco Antonio Barrera won their first fight they're boxers and at the post fight Eric Terrible Morales spoke Spanish with an in, in a, spoke Latin with it with spoke Mexican with a interpreter and I remember the debate years ago years ago I had with a passionate fury of dialogue with a blood relative about language and speaking English in America, speaking, learning the language. And he said, your grandma, our grandmother had to learn it when she got here. And she did. And I thought, then I thought, yeah, that's right. Just thought now though, right here, season two, episode five, just thought this. I 
look back at that and my response back then would have been, well, they were very well indoctrinated by the system that brings people to their fucking knees in this country. One thing you do is you break them. They're fucking experts. They came here. (coughs) Excuse me. The forefathers came here and fucking barrels of guns pointed everywhere. And any two-legged brown person was gone. Goned. Didn't matter. And, uh, the eloquence of the immigrant coming across the sea to Ellis Island, perhaps. This this shedding of identity, this shredding of dignity, uh, lauded by the propaganda machine. The U.S. has the trademark on. Oh, what about Russia? What about China? What about North Korea? Of course. All kinds of fucking flavors and brands and levels. No doubt. But we rotate in leadership, if that's an easier way for you to understand it. And you being that crazy little voice in my head that just came out. That represents what I imagine the opposition might shout. Your grandmother had to learn that language. Did it with dignity and honor. Well, it's a tactic, technique. Used by the oppressive regime. The legacy of genocide, slavery, and shredding identity and hope. I don't even know what season it is. Oh, it's season two, episode whatever. All shit is all chopped up. All I know is I got people fired up today. I got, that's all I did. That was what I was about today, was getting people fired up from Zooming to Brookwood Secure Center, getting my kids fired up, boys and girls in their classrooms, getting fired up, talking about life and stories and the bench and what you love and why you love what you do. I was fired up and I fired them up. I got good response. I got kids up on their feet. Did a rehearsal. Did a rehearsal for the sex, love, death, and other improbabilities reading. Benefit for incarcerated teens. Incarcerated teens. Fired up Smokey. Talked to him on the phone after he hit me with a voice message. He was fired up. Emotions erupting. He was... I am a guy who enjoys and thrives, lives off of firing other motherfuckers up. And when I'm fired up and that gets others fired up, I'm on fucking fire.